Hi, this is Dana Gardner, Principal Analyst at InterArbor Solutions, and you're listening to Briefings Direct. Our next Healthcare Insights discussion explores ways to improve the total patient experience, including financial considerations using digital technology. To learn more about the ways that healthcare providers are seeking to leverage such concepts as customer relationship management to improve their services, we're now joined by Laura Semles, Vice President of Digital Patient Experience at Northwell Health in Metro New York. Julie Gerderman, CEO at HealthPay24 in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And Jenny Erler, Cash Manager in the Treasury Department at Fairview Health Services in Minneapolis. Welcome to you all. Laura, digital patient experiences have come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. It's not just technology, though. What are the major components that need to go into making for an improved digital patient experience? So that's a great question. I think digital at the end of the day is all about really knowing who our patients are and understanding what they find value and how they are going to use tools and assets. And so for us, the primary thing that was important was to figure out where are the points of friction that digital had the ability to try and help and solve for. And so if you cont- continuously get on that knowledge and understanding of what where you have opportunity and where you can provide value and deliberately attack each of one of each one of those functions and experiences, I think that's how we're going to get the best value out, out of digital over time. So for us that really was in around how, around How do we know the patient in every moment of interaction? How do we give them better tools to be able to access our health system from an appointments perspective? How do we be able to drive down the redundant data collection that's happening at every appointment and take that burden off of the patient? And how do we give them the ability to not only have a tool to pay their bills online, but also to be able to advance it to the point of they understand and they're not surprised when they actually get the bill in the mail. Those are the things that we focused on because they were the highest points of friction and value articulate as articulated by our patients. Where we go next is going to be up to the patients and, quite frankly, the providers who are really struggling with technology that's sitting between them and their patient and the relationship of those two people. Jenny, when the financial aspects of a patient experience are taken into consideration, it's it's very important, but it also requires the life cycle of that patient's experience through care and the relationship with their provider and their perceptions of their experience. Right now, do we have separate systems for financial and experience, and are they coming together, and should they be the same front end, if you will, even though we're talking about financial as well as the whole overall care experience? We do. I think that we all, I'm hearing that all healthcare organizations have an opportunity to internally partner with, you know, where IT used to kind of be an afterthought. I think that's really coming to the forefront and IT resources are a huge need for us in healthcare and in driving that patient experience. And so as Laura said earlier, we have all this data, we have a lot of redundant data, and you know, how do we partner with IT in the best way possible where it benefits our customers' experience, and how do they want that delivered? And even looking in the industry today now and seeing Amazon and Walmart getting into the healthcare field, it's like, as healthcare organizations, we didn't invest heavily in the IT, but I think we're trying to catch up now, and we really need to put investment in that and investment in the relationship with IT and all the other operation partners to deliver that to the patient. 
patient um, in the best way possible. Julie, as uh, helping to make the technology part better for the financial aspects of a patient experience, doesn't that also set the stage for creating the environment and the means to accomplish a lot more, that total digital experience for the patient? It does, Dana. And we what we're seeing is the patient really at the center of all those decisions. So the patient's at the center and then engaging that patient in the way that they want to engage. So the, the role that technology can really play is to personalize a digital engagement. And financially, there's an opportunity in the financial engagement of a patient to communicate, to communicate clearly, simply so that they know what their obligation is and that they're able to have also options. So technology enables options, it enables communication, and that then elevates their experience. So for us, it's patient at the center with the technology enabling it, and that really, to me, takes it to a whole other level. And to jump off of that, I think at the end of the day, technology is as much about giving us the tools to be active listeners. Historically, it's been a one-directional. We we have a transaction to perform, and we go and we perform that transaction. In the tomorrow state, it becomes much more of a dialogue. And the more we learn about an individual, the more we learn about a behavior, the more we learn about what really was was truly a positive experience or a negative experience, we can take those learnings and then activate them in the in the right moments. It's always impressive to me when something pops up on my Amazon cart as a recommendation. They know I want something before I even know I want something. What is that analogy in healthcare, whether it's a service that I need and want, whether it's a, a new option that I that would be attractive to me? That's inherently personal. And we don't have the tools yet to actively listen, to understand how to get to that level of personalization. So where most of our investment is going in is to figure out what do we need so that we can be actively listening and actively talking in the right voice to both our providers and our patients so that we can really drive experiences. Those are the things that other industries, in my opinion, have a leg up on us uh, about. We can do all the functions, but connecting those functions and really getting to a place where we can design and cultivate simple experiences that people love and um, that drive loyalty and relationship are really the, the magic sauce. Thank you, Laura. So it's important to know what the patients want to know and when they want to know it, maybe anticipating that uh, across their experience. What's the friction in the process right now? What's preventing the uh, ultimate patient experience where you can anticipate, provide their needs, do it in a way that makes them feel comfortable and also uh, makes it a benefit to the payers and providers? Let's start with you, Jeannie. So I think that we're historically, when we do patient surveys, we're asking a lot about their clinical experience, um, but maybe we're not asking patients the right questions to get to the bottom of it, or maybe we're not being as intuitive as we could be with all the data that we have in our systems. But it's been a struggle just from a treasury perspective. I've been asking, can we get a billing-related question on the survey? Because really, that's part of their experience, and it's part of their their wellness is, you know, they're going to be stressing about what do I owe on my bill and, you know, what is this going to cost me? And so I think we have to take another look at how we're surveying our patients, how we're asking our patients the questions. Does it have to be a formal survey process or could it be a question that pops up while they're at their visit? So I think we need to be, like you say, more in the moment instead of after the fact, how was your visit and how can we fix it? How can we get that feedback right then and there when they're having that experience? It's okay to talk about the finances as part and parcel of the overall care, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we recently conducted a study with over 150 providers uh, at HealthPay, and what we found is the a, a negative 
billing financial experience can completely negate the the fabulous clinical experience at a provider. It really, it can just um, leave such a bad impression. So to Jenny's point, asking questions, not just around the clinical experience, but around the financial experience in how things can be improved. Are there, again, back to options and flexibility that could be provided to patients in a personalized way based on who they are in the moment in their lives and what they need? And just to pick up off of that, I think the other component of this is that we're very organized around transactional interactions with patients. And when it comes to experience, experience is relationship-based. And so just because you have in a health system odds are you don't have one bill coming to you. You have multiple bills coming to you and they come to you with multiple formats, with multiple options to pay, with multiple options to, you know, help you with those bills. And that is very, very confusing. And that's in one interaction with the health system. If you connect that for a patient who's perhaps dealing with something more chronic or more serious, they've got, they could, they could have literally 20, 30, 40, or 100 bills coming in. And that just creates such a, an an exasperation for our patients and frustration. And so I think that our path to solving this really needs to be far less around single transactions and far broader and demands the health systems to to think differently about how they approach these problems. Because patients don't experience one bill, they experience a series of bills. And if we give them different support numbers, different tools, different options for each and every one of those, it will always be confusing. doesn't matter how sophisticated the tool that you can use to pay the bill is. So the idea is to make things simpler for the patient, but there's an awful lot of complexity behind the scenes in order to accomplish that. It's also fundamentally about data and sharing data. So let's address those two issues, data and complexity. How do we start to get on top of those in order to then be able to provide the overall simplicity? Jenny. I go back again to you, we have all the information that we need on the claim that goes to the payer, and the payer knows what they're going to pay us. And so how do we start to not play that game or that dance with the payer, and how do we get more married up with the payer so that we can create that experience for our customers? They're our customers, and they're their customers. So how do we partner better with the payers to deliver that information to the patients? And then to Laura's point earlier, how do we start to individualize our relationships with these patients so that we know how they're going to behave and how they're going to interact? And I also, th- I don't I don't know that patients are aware of the relationship that we have with our payers and how much we struggle just to get paid on our end. So I think just being, yeah, I don't know what more to say about that. I just think that, you know, everybody has that, the data's in the claim, the payer has the data. Why is it so difficult for us to then do what we need to do with that data on the back end? So how do we make that more simple for everybody involved? Julie, people, process, and technology, uh, we've seen analogs to this in other industries. It is a difficult problem. What technologically and culturally do you think needs to happen in order for these improvements to, to really take place? I actually think it's it's underway and it's happening as the the generations and the demographics are changing in our society and in our culture. So as the younger generations become patients, they bring with them the expectation that data is at their fingertips and that technology enables them in their lives whenever they are, wherever they are and what, whatever they're doing, because they have a whole nother view. I say they, you know, like, you know, millennials, younger generation have a different perspective and expectation. And that is around wellness 
I think there's a big shift happening around not just care for being sick, but actually wellness to prevent illness. And that, I think, culturally, we need to take into consideration. The technology needs to engage that demographic in that way and understanding. So for me, and I also want to highlight, Laura used the word connect and connection. Connection and interoperability is truly how we address the complexity that you referenced through that connection that the technology enables and for it to be interoperable with all the different systems that health systems hospitals have to use, that's how we're going to solve it. We're also seeing in other industries a interesting relationship between uh, self-help or, or self-driven processes and automation. They almost uh, complement one another if it's done properly. Do you see that as an opportunity in healthcare where the digital experience gives the patient the opportunity to drive their own questions and answers, to find their own way should they choose, and that's the automation along the way that makes that possible. Absolutely. That is actually one of the self-help is actually one of the things that we first went live with, with Health Pay 24, because at the end of the day, we knew the top 20 questions that patients were calling in and answering, but we had lots of toolkits inside the organization, but we didn't expose that information. It lived on our website somewhere, but it didn't live in our website in a direct, easy to read, easy to understand. It was written in our voice, not patient's voice, and it wasn't exposed at the moment that a patient was actually making that transaction. Action. I believe that that part of the reason why we have has seen such an increase in our online payments and such a diversion of calls to our our digital experiences in this specific area is because we posted literally quite simply frequently asked questions around this. And that frequently asked questions, I'll give you an example of one, is what is an OB? Why is it not an EOB? Why is it not a bill? And how does it compare to the bill that that I have sitting in front of me from you? And giving examples and what it is and really just block and tackle education. We answer that question all day long on the telephone. There's Patients don't want to call and wait 22 minutes to get an agent to to hear that if they can self-serve themselves. And it's really helped us a lot. And there's an analogy in that in lots of different places in the healthcare space that we can expose. So you need to have the right tools and capabilities internally in order to then be able to satisfy the, the patient requirements and those questions. But the systems internally don't always give you that single view of the patient, maybe like what a CRM system does in other industries. Where would you like to see it go, both Jenny and Laura, in terms of a complement to a CRM system, but in healthcare, so that you have the information that you need to interact properly? So for me, CRM is is something that we didn't talk about in healthcare previously, and it is now, and, and I very much believe that CRM is as much about an ethos and a philosophy as it is about a system. I don't believe it is it is exclusively a system. I think it's a way of life. It's an understanding what the patient needs. It's an understanding that you have the information at your fingertips in the moment that you need it to be able to share that. And, and so I think we're evolving. I think we've talked a lot about how to be uh, that we want to be customer obsessed, but there's a big difference between being customer obsessed and actually wanting to be customer obsessed and actually being customer obsessed. And I think the other thing that challenges us is there's um, there's some inherent conflicts when you start talking about customer obsession with what 
other stakeholders inside the health system want to do. There are things that patients want that are really hard to deliver. When a patient wants a real-time answer to something and your SLA is a day, you can't meet their expectation. And so how do you rethink the way your scope of service? How do you rethink the way who can provide information to individuals? How do you rethink to the point we were just talking about providing some self-help opportunities so that there are not always dependent on a call or a face-to-face interaction to get what they need? And I think getting to that place is starts with understanding that customer and understanding what their expectations are back to your earlier point and being able to start delivering them on them in the way that the patients expect us to. So Jenny, patient relationship management, are you getting close to that on the finance side? And if you do so, doesn't that mean that perhaps there is an opportunity to make it a wider, more holistic approach? I don't know that we're getting as close to it as we need to be, but I think there is at least with our organization, an internal culture shift to start thinking about um, a patient being a customer. And there was always some, I think, feeling of insensitivity around calling a patient a customer or treating this more as consumerism, but that's what it's becoming. And so as that culture shifts and we think more about consumerism and customer relationship management, it's going to enhance the patient's experience, but we have to think about that differently because I think we just think about when you say consumerism, it's all about the money and that's all we care about is the money and that's not what it is. That's a component of it, but it's the full patient experience. And I think tools like customer relationship management tools are are going to be crucial for us in order to get to that next level. Again, Julie, it seems to me that if you can solve this on the financial side of things, you've set up the opportunity, a platform approach, a culture even, to take on the larger digital experience of the patient. How close are we and what do you think needs to go in to thinking about having the financial side solved when it comes to a single view I think from a financial perspective, we are down a path. So we've definitely made strides in achieving technology and digital for financial. That then is one component of a broader technology ecosystem that will have waves and a bigger ROI for our, for the providers that that ROI does then impact revenue cycle, IT, you know, so not just the backend financial, but also from the pre all the way to the post experience for a patient. So, so I, I believe financial is one component. I believe technology is an enabler. One of the things that I'm really, we're really passionate about at HealthPay24 is the predictive capability of understanding the patient. And what I mean by that is the predictive analytics and the data that you already have potentially in a CRM, maybe not, being able for that to be an indicator later of patient behavior and what could be provided. And that will even further drive an ROI by using predictive capability, greater ROI, better results, and ultimately a much better patient experience. On this question of ROI, Laura, how do you at at Northwell make that argument that we're making the investments and we're getting the payoffs so that we can make even more investments and get even more payoff. How do you create that virtuous adoption cycle benefit, at least from a perception? It, it is about perception as well as as hard numbers in, in this industry. Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that question a couple of different ways. When we first started our digital patient experience, I, I think it was, albeit late, I think we, we, we've been at this now for about 18 months, and that was probably late to the game from some of our competitors and certainly from other industries. But as we entered into that, into this this space, part of the reason we did was because we knew that within the next two to three years, patients, while they don't bring their expectations from other industries just yet to healthcare, we knew that that was going to happen. And that that in a competitive market like New York, where I live and I work, that if we didn't start to evolve and build sophisticated, advanced 
experiences from a digital perspective, that we would not have that differentiation and that we would lose to competitors who in our very market had focused on that. So in the beginning, there was this intuitive have to do this because if we don't, then we will lose a competitive edge and we won't differentiate ourselves in that space and our patients will go elsewhere because it's easier. I get something out of that relationship, not just healthcare. And I think that that's the hard part for the industry right now is that healthcare alone relationships alone with a provider and a patient are not enough anymore. And so because of that, we have to really focus on these experiences. So that was the first driver. But at the end of the day, we are, you know, we have to be cognizant of what we take in from a reimbursement perspective and what we put out in terms of investment and innovation. And so the question of ROI is an important one. And where does that investment come from? It doesn't come from digital itself. It comes from the opportunities that digital creates for us, whether we're talking about access tools that create the capacity to invite patients that wouldn't ordinarily have selected Northwell to become new patients at Northwell, or patients who are in-house and previously didn't immediately choose Northwell as their further follow-up care, that we make it so easy to make Northwell their follow-up that they come there and and we retain them and we avoid leakage into the payment space when we get to things like accelerating cash because it's easy and I just click a button right from the point where I get my bill to pay the bill so that I advance and accelerate the cash to maybe now I'm going to pay for more than one bill at a time. Whereas previously, I didn't even understand why I had more more than one bill. So we actually increase collections and decrease bad debts. Those are the functions that we're going to see ROI in, not digital itself. And so the conversation is a tricky one because I run the service line of digital digital. And I have to partner with every one of my business associates and leaders to make sure that they're accounting for and, and helping give credit to the application uh, or the, and the tools that we're building so that the ROI can and the investment can continue. And so it makes for the conversation to be a little bit harder, but it certainly has to be there. Before we sign off, let's take a look to the future a little bit. What are the technologies, we mentioned just a little bit about the data, when you've set up the processes, when you've set up the systems, when you've got that adoption cycle and when you can produce an ROI appreciation, you're also setting the stage for having a lot more data to look at, to analyze, to reapply back into those earlier investments and processes. Jeannie, let's start with you. What, Jenny, rather, what does the future hold for you and what would you like to see things like analytics provide? What kind of data and analytics would help you in your position in that treasury department? It's hard for me to say as a whole, but from a treasury perspective, just taking out how cumbersome it is on the back end to handle all these different payment channels. If we could, you know, marry all these systems up together on the back end and deliver that to the patient and get one payment and automate that process, we are going to see an ROI no matter what. I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of work that um, we were talking about feigning the digital experience. And it's like, we can make something look really great on the front end, but really the key is how do we not burden our resources on the back end and really make that a true digital experience where nobody has to touch that, you know, from the time that that payment gets collected to the time that it's posted to that patient's account. Um, and then also giving our customer service and our patients the tools that they need to get to that data right away. So I think having all that data in one place and being able to do those analytics analytics because right now we have all these different merchant accounts and how do you pull all that together and look at the spend and look at how much you're collecting and what your revenue is. It, it's very impossible to pull all that together in one place on the back end. Julie, similar question. Data and analytics are really starting to drive more of the strategic thinking about how you do systems. Where do you see it going and what's going to be some of the earlier payoffs from doing analytics properly in a healthcare 
payer provider environment. We are just starting to do this with several of our customers where we are taking data and analyzing the financial data, whether it's their discount programs that they're currently offering patients, the payment plans that they're offering, and tying that to the collection results that they have. And we're looking at the demographics behind each of those and how it could be shifted in a way that they are able to collect more while providing a different experience. So our vision in this is they know you as a patient, the provider knows the patient so well that in anticipation, they're getting the financial offer that best supports their needs. I mean, my you know vision for this, and, and I, I love being, I think we're in such an interesting time right now in healthcare because our my vision right now, when I take my children to a doctor appointment, that is going to look and feel so different when they take their children to an appointment. We, we are just seeing the beginnings of the text reminders, the digital engagement, you have an appointment, have you thought about this? They're going to be walking around and it's just going to be so incorporated into their lives, like the Instagram that they're on all the time. Like yeah. the, That is where we're, I, I can't wait to see when they're taking their children, or, or are they not, right? Are they just not even leaving and they're doing things much more virtually and digitally than we, we are with our own children? So to me, there's just the broader cultural changes that where the, that, that data is enabling us uh, is very exciting. Uh, Laura, last word to you. What's your vision? Where do you see that digital experience a potential going for for the healthcare environment. You know, playing off of the themes that we just heard here, automation is 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 key. The functions that we do and we and we exert energy and people and resources resources on that we could be use, using automation for. I think data is a key to helping us pick those right things to automate. The second is anticipation and being able to understand where a patient is, what the next step is, and being able to predict and personalize that next step for them. Um, data is obviously a a critical component and 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 prior knowledge and data over over time, not just one event or one 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 piece of information that's going to help you do that. The last piece that I'll, I'll, I'll put out there is that I think prevention over time is going to be the name of the game. And I think that healthcare will look very, very different tomorrow than it is today. And you're seeing all these new models pop up that are very, very much moving the, the needle in terms of how we collect information about a person's, what's going on inside of your, uh, inside of your body and being able to understand where those things have the ability to, with four or five or 10 or 100 data points that are collected over time, be able to predict what is going to happen next and and to be able to take action to avert or prevent those things from happening. And so I think our entire model of how we treat wellness is going to shift and and what primary care looks like today is going to is going to be different. And analytics is at the core of all of that, whether you're talking about it from an AI perspective, it's 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 all the same thing. Did you get the data on the right thing to measure? And are you looking at it? And do you have the tools to be able to signal you when something is going off? And is that single signal in the right voice to the person who needs to consume that? And and is it at the right time so that you can actually avert it? And and I say, I use voice very, very specifically here because when I'm sitting using my Fitbit and it understands that my heart rate is up, it's in, it's anticipating that it's because I'm out exercising. And it asks me that. And it asks me in a voice that I understand and I can respond, no, I'm not, you know, having an event here because it asks me in a question in the way. But 
the doctor who's getting that same information. First of all, most doctors aren't getting that kind of information today because we don't have a great way of sharing patient-generated health data yet. It just comes in as a lot of noise if they are getting it. And so how do we take all of that data, package it in such a way, and bring it up at the, to the right person at the right moment in time in the right voice so that it can be used to actually become preventable, so that it can actually drive an outcome? That, to me, is the magic of where we can go. We're not there yet, but I think that's where we've got to go. I'm afraid we'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to a sponsored Briefings Direct Healthcare Strategies discussion, exploring ways to improve the total patient experience, including financial considerations using digital technology. And we've learned about the ways that leading healthcare providers are leveraging such concepts as customer relationship management and advanced data analytics to both improve their services to patients and their returns on technology investment. Please join me now in thanking our guests. We've been here with Laura Semley's Vice President of Digital Patient Experience at Northwell Health in Metro New York. Julie Gerdeman, CEO at HealthPay24 in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And Jenny Erler, Cash Manager in the Treasury Department at Fairview Health Services in Minneapolis. And a big thank you as well to our audience for joining this HealthPay24 sponsored healthcare thought leadership discussion. I'm Dana Gardner, Principal Analyst at Inter Arbor Solutions, your host and moderator. Thanks again for listening and do come back next time.